And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. Yeah. So today we have Pam Stansberry, who's from the Midwest. Uh, and Pam, t tell us a little bit about your life before you received the uh, vaccine and when you received the vaccine. Okay. Well, I have a pretty vast medical background. I've been a pharmaceutical sales rep. I'm a retired x-ray um, cardiovascular tech. So I know quite a bit about medical field. Um medical uh, terms, been in it for a long time, up until just about the uh, pandemic started. So um, on to the vaccine, I got it, researched it, The J I got the J&J &J on March 27th, and I am a big researcher. I research everything. I, I didn't necessarily want to get the vaccine, but I knew that COVID was serious, and I didn't know that I would do well with COVID. So because of underlying conditions? Well, I have, I've had high blood pressure, but it's controlled. It was, it's been controlled by one little pill a day. Um, I have, I do have a little bit of high cholesterol, but I've not had any major significant diseases. The doctors have looked for lupus over the years, but have never really confirmed it. My blood work all comes back normal. Mm -hmm. So we just, we just don't know. I, I know I have arthritis. I've played too many sports in your, in your joints or is it in your tissues or how, how, how advanced is your arthritis in my knees? It's pretty significant in my knees. I play volleyball, so it's, it's pretty significant in my knees. Um, but I've never had, uh, I had an arthroscopy for a tear, which was years ago, but nothing, uh, no surgeries for arthritis. Okay. So, so I am 59 years old. I have, three kids, three adult kids. One of them still, well, actually two still live with me. One lives with me. He's 23. My oldest daughter lives with us and her husband and her three kids until they build a house. So my thought was, we've got a lot of little kids and people in the house. My husband and I, both 59, probably need a little bit of protection. So, and it's hard to tell a 23-year-old, stay home, you know. <laughs> Don't don't go anywhere. So we decided right. to get the vaccine. Wasn't the best idea for my kids. They were not hugely in favor. They so were not. They, they they didn't think it was necessary, or they just didn't believe in the vaccine. They were afraid of it. They were afraid. It's too new. They were afraid of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, you've got a house full of generations. Yes. And, uh, Common sense may dictate that somebody could walk in a little little child with a germ and everything. Absolutely, like that. absolutely. Okay, so you you received you did when you say you did the research. Tell us what research you did because I think you're one of the first people that we who, who's actually in the pharmaceuticals that we have interviewed on camera. I've talked spoken to a lot of people in the pharmaceutical business, but the first one that we've interviewed who's been injured. So. What kind of research did you do knowing that you know how to do the research that brought you to the point that you chose J&J? &J? 
Well, for number one, the mRNA I knew was new with the Pfizer and the Moderna. I'm never one to jump on brand new vaccines, brand new medicine. I always want to give it a little bit of time to see how it's going to react with with patients. And then my, my husband and I are both huge on reading the efficacies of the medicines. So, you know, I did that. And I did find, I did research that J&J had, and I know it's an older company, it's been out there for years, but I know that they had done, I, we were talking that they had done, um, they had made the Ebola vaccine. And in my thought, I was like, and I knew it was the, the adenovirus, I knew it was more in tune with human cells than the other one. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's at least been out there for a little bit um, for the Ebola. And then once I had the vaccine and it didn't go well, I actually had spoke with my functional doctor and he thought basically the same thing. For me, that might've had some inflammatory um, precursors that it would be the best one. Okay. So I also knew it was one and done and that was good too. All right. So that gave you some security that you wouldn't have to wait and take a second one. Yes. Yes. Others. All right. So you, you got it. March. What is it? March 27th. March 27th. All right. And did you have any immediate reactions? You know, it's funny. I don't think I did. But but now thinking back, I might have. But it was just a little I thought it was more anxiety. I was in the car driving with my husband. And I'm like, I feel kind of odd, but maybe it's just anxiety. And I was texting my sister-in-law, who's the same age at the same time, because she wanted to know because she was getting it the following week. So we were having this little, almost like a little, not fun time, but I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. So that's basically it that day. I felt a little off, but nothing major. And then that weekend, I was extremely busy doing, I was decorating for birthday parties for my little three-year-old granddaughter. And nothing. I felt fine. I, I felt fine um, until I didn't feel fine. Okay. Um, and tell us what happened when you didn't feel fine. About 10 days, uh, roughly a week to 10 days afterwards. I mean, I, I love working out in the yard. I would go out in the yard. I'd work a little bit at night. I would be in agony. So much pain and burning in my legs, my arms. I was chilling like I had the, a fever, the flu. And I kept telling myself, well, this is kind of what they said. You would feel maybe fluish symptoms, but this was about 10 days afterwards. So the days went on. I was home for about five days with that kind of feeling. And I remember Saturday, I was out talking to my neighbors. I was weak. Um, I kept rubbing my back. My kidney area was hurting so bad. And I, um, that night again, my legs ached, burned, itched. Uh, I went to bed. Sunday morning, I got up and I just didn't even feel like getting out of bed. I just told my husband, I said, I don't feel so good at all. So I laid around kind of in bed most of the day. And then by that evening, I just told myself, all right, this is, I can't do this. I, I mean, I can't was do it, this. Was it flu-like symptoms? Was it just sort of, it, it was a bad flu that knocked you out and wanted you wanted to stay in bed? Yes, yes. I was, I was, I don't think I actually uh, had a temperature, but I felt chilled. I felt like I had a fever. Um, I was aching everywhere. I was so weak, really wasn't dizzy, really didn't have that much chest pain. My back was hurting really bad to where I, I wasn't sleeping the last few nights. So part of even on Sunday, I was exhausted. So I stayed in bed and finally I just thought, I, I just cannot do this. I, I, I need to get up. So I told my husband, I said, let's just get out of the house. 
will run and get ice cream just to get myself out of the bed. Mm -hmm. This is about, I don't know, maybe seven. It get, doesn't get dark till late here. And we start driving and I noticed I, I wouldn't have been speaking to him. I sit there and thought, this is not the best idea. I just don't feel good. And up the street a little ways, um, we have a circle drive and then it kind of goes straight. I don't remember going through the circle drive. I remember at the light, I knew I had passed out because my head bobbed forward. And I told him, I said, I just passed out. And so we were stopped at a light and I said, this isn't good. I said, you need to call 911. So we literally were stuck at a light and it kept getting worse. I was pounding my chest because I thought my heart was going to stop. It, I was that sick. Did I, you did you did you feel as if did was it heart palpitations? Was it a racing of the heart? Was it pain? In, I mean, I didn't have that much chest pain. I little twinges, but not that much chest pain. I was vibrating. I had like the sensation of just vibrating, and my heart felt like it was just racing, like a just like a trip hammer. Um, I just couldn't get that feeling of I'm going to pass out again. I, I couldn't get it away. I'm going to pass out again. And I told him, I said, I'm going to pass out again. Get me an ambulance. So we went, there just so happened, there was a fire department just seconds away from that intersection. So he pulled in, knocked on the door. They had a first responder on, on duty. They, I had four to five men come out. They could not take my, they couldn't feel my heart rate. It was pounding, but it was so fast and so low, they couldn't take it. They couldn't feel it. They barely faint. My blood pressure at that time was 225 over about 120, 125. When I heard that, I knew I was going to stroke. I thought, oh, I'm going to stroke. So I, they were talking to me. I was coherent, but I wasn't putting words together like I should have been. I give them the wrong medication. and um, But I knew I was talking to him. Were you slurring your words at that point? It really wasn't a slur. I was, at that time, it was like, I, I knew I was on lisinopril. I told him Lasix. I just couldn't think of what I needed to say. I couldn't think of the proper word. Um, and I was shaking. And when I heard my blood pressure, did it make me a little more anxious that I may have? Uh, yeah. That, that would be a normal reaction. Right, that right. So, so I, reaction when you start hearing the numbers and you're thinking, you know, especially with your background, you're, you realize right, this, this right. is not just a faint. Right. And exactly. See, that's that's it. I've got I've had vasovagal syncope where I, you know, you stand up and you um, your pressure drops. I've had that. I get right up and it's no big deal. This was different. It wasn't going away. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. And when the firemen come out and I had three of them, I can't get her pulse. I can't get her pressure. I can't find it. I, you know, and then you, I started getting really nervous. So they called the ambulance, got me in the ambulance. I'm driving. Uh, he's trying to keep me calm, just making general. You mean they're, you mean they're driving? The, the, I'm not driving. They're driving. I still have brain fog. Right. Um, okay. They're driving. He's trying to keep me calm. And I remember just meditating, trying to pray that I need to calm down. I'm going to stroke. I can't mm -hmm. stroke. I'm too young. I can't stroke. Mm -hmm. So he took the pressure again, stayed high. It just stayed high. My heart rate didn't come down. It stayed high the entire trip to the hospital. And um, I remember in the ambulance, I text my kids and my husband 
and told him I loved him mm. and said, pray for me because I didn't feel good. I didn't, I didn't want to scare him, but I didn't know if I was, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. It was that scary. Um, so we got to ER and it was still high. And then I had a team. I mean, they were all just, it was like a small code. They were just ramming into the room, taking my pressure. And he goes, Oh, it's down. It's in the two hundreds. So um, they were taking my pressures and then asking me, and I kept repeating over and over and over. I don't feel good. This isn't right. And I said, I've been told I possibly could have lupus symptoms. It's never been fully diagnosed. Could this be it? And then I said, I had the vaccine on March 27th. Is that it? And a couple of the doctors and nurses, you know, could have agreed with me. He said, you know, it's possible. So let's check it out. So they did blood work. By that time, my legs started going numb. My legs were going numb. Was that was, but you had, you had had some pain prior to that when you were in your backyard, you said. Oh yes, I was rubbing my this lower was, back. This, this was this was reoccurring, or this was new sensations of pain in your leg when you were in the hospital. Oh, new sensations. Okay. The in the hospital, my legs completely went numb. I remember telling anyone that would walk in the room. I kept telling my husband he was there with my son. I said my legs are going numb, my arms are going numb. Pretty soon, I was on fire. My face was so red. He was putting washcloths on me, on my arms, on my neck. It was bright red. Um, I think he even took a picture of me maybe, but my legs, I literally, I didn't think my legs were attached to my body. And I remember telling the doctors, I, I, my legs are numb. I don't feel my legs. My arms are numb. I feel like I have icy hot all over my body with a weighted blanket. Like I could barely know that my legs were attached. Well, I was trying to stay calm. I wasn't trying, you know, I was telling myself not to panic. And mm -hmm. finally the ER doctor comes in and he's, I said, what is going on? And the other major symptom, I had this rush of what I thought was adrenaline. I kept telling him, I said, I think I have adrenaline running through my body. And every time that happened, my heart rate would shoot up and I'd want to pass out again. This happened. So, so was this was this fluctuate? It was in and out. It wasn't. A, was it a continuum, or was it was it in, in episodes? The rushing of the adrenaline was in episodes. It would okay. come. My heart rate would drop down a little bit before, and then shoot back up to very high. I think I may even got to 150. It got really high, and I kept telling him, "This is what's happening. I've got this rush of adrenaline, or whatever it was." And then my heart rate would rush up again. And then it would kind of settle down a little bit. And then this kept happening over and over. I kept literally, I kept telling my husband, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. That's what it kept feeling like. When the doctor finally came in and said, you've got an abnormal blood test. Um, at that time, I told him, I said, I, I do not feel good. Something, my legs, I can't, you know, I can't feel my legs. He goes, your body is reacting to it being sick. That was my answer. Your body is being reactive. But what, when he said that your blood test came back abnormal, what did he define as abnormal? Abnormal. I had a deep, my D-dimer was high. So I didn't really know what that meant at the time. And he said, that means that you're, there's a blood clot somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a CAT scan. They did a CAT scan. Um, it's read by a third party. This was late at night now. So it's read by a third party. They 
somewhere off off campus. So once the hospital doctors, ER radiologists came in, they found the blood clot in my left pulmonary artery. So uh, That's scary. That's scary right there. Yeah. He walks in and says that, or she calls me, actually, she called me and she said, um, before that they had already admitted, admitted me. He goes, you're really high risk. We cannot send you home. I said, I don't feel good. I don't think I can go home. So they admitted me. And uh, that's when the hospitals called me like at three in the morning and said, Hey, you've got a blood clot in your lung. We're going to keep you for a while. So they did. By the next morning, which I hadn't slept at all, it was like three or four in the morning, I hadn't slept at all. Um, the numbness was a little better. I, I could feel my, I thought, oh, thank goodness. I, it started from my waist down. I could feel my legs kind of coming back, mm -hmm. um, but I was still on fire. I was just on fire. My face was on fire. I felt sick, like a, the, the adrenaline kept going on and off and on and off. Did they put you on any blood thinners at that point in time? Yes, immediately put me on Eliquis mm -hmm. to get my, which is the blood thinner, which uh, they put me on metoprolol, which is a beta blocker for my heart because I had irregular beats, terribly bad. They started me back on lisinopril, which is a blood pressure medicine. So they had those going um, all at the same time. Did they, did they, did the doctors at any point say to you that they thought that perhaps it was a reaction to your, to your vaccine and remind the audience and myself at this point, how many days after, how many weeks after did you have this episode where you're going for the ice cream and you end up in the 10 days? It was 10, 10 days. days. Okay. 10, days. So 10 days. I started having aches and pains probably a week before, five days before that. I was mm -hmm. fine for a week or so. Then I started having really severe leg aches and back aches. And then when I actually passed out was April 11th. So I think that's like 10 days. All right. And, and is that 10 days? That may not be 10 days. Well, the 27th, it's, it's, it's over 10 days because you had on the 27th. So it's about two weeks afterwards. Two and weeks. Then, so I started getting sick about 10 days. And then a few days after that is when I went to the hospital. Okay. So the, the narrative that's out there um, is that um, people, quote unquote, are fully vaccinated two weeks after they have their second shot or two weeks after their, their first J and, after their only J and J shot. But at that point in time, when you're in the hospital and they're administering to you medically, did anybody say to you who, who wears a white coat that this is probably connected to the Vax shot? They were not on board like that. No, okay. I kept saying this. The only thing that's different is the vaccine. The only thing that different is the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And one of them said, well, you know, it could be, but they never did anyone say, oh, this is the vaccine at that time. Now, so I was there for two days. So then they got on board a hematologist, oncologist, a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. Those two came in and the morning of, I believe it was the 12th or the 13th. It's the day that the news broke that Johnson and Johnson was being halted for blood clots. Okay. I found out that morning, my, my oncologist walks in, my brother had just texted me. He said, Pam, they're halting it for J and J. My oncologist walks in, he goes, have you seen the news? And I said, well, I've just heard. 
And then my phone just starts blowing up. My family, they all knew this had to be from the vaccine. So he really, the hematologist oncologist still real wasn't a hundred percent, but it, it's like, it could be, it could be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then I had a hospitalist cardiologist. He was not really on board with it. It, it. It's, it could be, but that's about it. Nothing permanent, nothing hard, fast. My hospitalist, um, you know, they assessed me after two days, my blood pressure got more regulated. My heart was a little more regulated. Um, I did okay on the medication. So they dismissed me and on my dismissal form, the day of dismissal, I got really sick at my stomach, like really, really sick to where I was running to the bathroom a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was terrible. She dismissed me with a panic attack. That's what I was panic attack, a panic attack. So the diagnosis was the reason why you were in the hospital, even though you were you were put on blood thinners, that you had a panic attack. I think it was dismissed with a pulmonary. I had a pulmonary embolism, but she ended up saying on the last line that I had a panic attack. I am still mortified. I'm st- I've never had a panic attack. I've never had that experience like that. Never. So. Did you go back to the, were you readmitted to the hospital anytime after that? Actually, I did. So in between that time, um, I think between that week and the following week, the 25th of April, I believe is when I saw my functional doctor. Um, He has been a godsend. He said, this is, I'll go into that later. But uh, yes, actually, I went back on the 25th with the same symptoms. To the hospital. to the hospital, ER. Yes. I went, ER. Back, okay. went back to ER. My EKG was abnormal. Again, it was high. Um, he did not do a repeat D-dimer. He's, they did do a repeat CT to look for more blood. I thought I was having another blood clot. And he said, no new clots. But he said, this is the vaccine. He was from Tulsa. Was, was this a doctor that you had seen in the first trip to the hospital? Was this no, this is a completely different ER doctor that had came in. I'm in Joplin, Missouri, Southwest Missouri. He was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He came in for whatever reason to work the weekend shift. And he said, this is absolutely um, the vaccine. Did he report it to theirs? I don't think any of them reported it to theirs. I asked my hematologist, I said, do you need to report this? And he said, no. No, he goes, you need to report it. They would rather hear from patients than doctors. So have you reported it to VAERS? Oh, yes. I reported it to VAERS. I don't think I've heard anything from them. I reported it to Johnson Johnson. I had a doctor from Johnson Johnson call me. Um, when, did they, when did they call you? Pretty quick. I reported it within the first two weeks after I got home. Pretty quick. After, the, then, after the first visit? After the first visit. I don't know if I'd went to the hospital the second time. I was really weak. So it took me a little bit just to, sure. I had my husband actually help me with phone calls because I was so weak. So um, the, who was this doctor and was he? what did he have to say and what was he interested in? Which one? The my one, function? The, not, not the function one, the doctor from J&J who called you. Oh, it, she was a little difficult to understand. I can't remember. I've got her name written down. She was just asking me more questions of, did you have the D-dimer? Did you have the blood factors, um, the blood clotting factors? And I said, 
at the time, I don't think they did. Um, she asked me if I had the fibrinogen done. No, that's another blood clotting factor, I believe. I didn't, they didn't do those. They just did, they did a, is it called prothrom prothrombin? I'm not exactly sure what that measures. They did do the D-dimer and that was pretty much they needed to know. Um, they were seeing if my heart was working correctly and it was, so that was really all they wanted to do. Take care of my heart. So did, was Johnson and Johnson interested in seeing the test results yes. that were done on you in the hospital? Yes. Was it just a verbal conversation with you? They actually wanted the, the documents? Yes. I sent them everything. I sent them everything. And then I had a couple pharmacist uh, calls with pharmacists too. They were taking more information from me. They wanted more. They wanted every time I went to the doctor, they wanted to hear about it. And well, where did, did these pharmacists come from? How did they find you? When I called in the first time, they, I guess they routed me to, there's like a team of pharmacists that takes calls, that takes adverse reactions. Then I would get emails from probably three different departments in Johnson Johnson. One of them was from a security department. And I called and I said, what, what is this? And they said, it's just, they're just follow-ups, follow-ups. So I had, like I said, probably three different emails or more, three different departments of emails but they would send me the same forms. I'd fill so the forms. You're, you're talking about Johnson and Johnson pharmaceutical division. Yes. Or, or these are pharmacists within Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. Johnson that yes. want to know information from you. You're the first person that has told us this. So yeah. I'm very interested to know how this all works. So when you call J and J, the doctor calls you back, and then you get repeated phone calls, as I understand it, from pharmaceutical pharmacists within J and J. I either had to call them back or they called. I don't remember if the pharmacist called me or I called them. I can't remember because they wanted to know what my follow-ups were on my labs. Okay. So I had to, that's when I think I went to my functional doctor and I believe they did the other pro factor four. There's like two or three blood factor um, tests. I had those. Those were all normal. So I sent that back to them. And then why the doctor called me, I don't know. But when I, when I called back in to report my case, I would speak to pharmacists. So, so why, I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. They're getting information from you. What are they telling you? What are they recommending to you? They Absolutely nothing, nothing. Just taking my information when you go to the doctor, report back and get more information. That's basically what they wanted to know. Every time I went to the doctor, they wanted me to call back in and tell them more of my blood work. All right. So Pam, you're in the pharmaceutical industry for how many years? Well, I wasn't in there too long. I was in basically medical sales for quite some time. Okay. But the, the medical field. Right. You're right. Familiar with in your, right. I, think, I think you tell me your husband also is in pharmaceuticals. Yes. Okay. And, and he does sales. Yes. Okay. So, you're a household of people that are familiar with the pharmaceutical. Yes. Have you ever heard of pharmaceutical companies calling people, no. asking them for their medical records? Or is this unusual to you? No, totally unusual. I was completely shocked. Theirs didn't, I didn't get anywhere with theirs, but I was completely shocked that Johnson Johnson doctor called me completely shocked. And they repeated that they wanted me to keep them abreast of it. And at some point in time, I just, I got tired of filling out the same paperwork. I would so feel did, did they ever mention to you that they were collecting this because of a clinical 
trial of people who had adverse effects from jail? No, no, no. They just said they were sorry that this happened to me. They are reporting it and to keep letting them know what's going on. And I didn't call them back. It was the same, you know, it was. Who, who, who are they reporting to? I don't know, whoever their heads are of their office or whatever, the security department. They kept saying the security department. So would, have you ever checked with VAERS to see if your reports are in VAERS and have stayed in VAERS? I have tried, but it's so confusing. I could not, I'm not exactly sure what my ID number is. I'll have to go back and try that again. It was just, it's very confusing to me. When's the last time you spoke to J&J? Oh, just within that first month. Just with, it was, let's see, it was in a March, probably in April. I've not received one more email, not one more phone call, nothing. Now, see, the news broke. See, I don't know if I called them. Yeah, I had to call them after the blood clot. They were more concerned with the blood clot because that's when it was halted. It was halted the one of the days I was in the hospital. They just, the other my legs going numb, didn't really care. It was the blood clot. The blood clot. All right. So after um, they J&J &J was taken off, the uh, taken out of the, the circulation and then right. they went back, then it would put it back on the shelf. How did you yes. feel about that at the time? I was, oh, I was so, so frustrated, so upset. We went on I kept, we went online on my Facebook page and I posted what happened to me. My daughter's posted, I posted and um, people couldn't believe that what I was it off for what, 10 days, maybe not even that long. And they I put it. I can't remember the exact time. I just remember that that Friday that Francis Collin was from NIH was on, was on a conference call encouraging people not to be scared and they were going to take a look at it. And, you know, bada boom, it's, it's back on the shelf within the, the next week or 10 days. Something. Oh, I, 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 that bothered me so bad. So I would tell my family and friends, you know, my brothers both took Pfizer. They did fine. Um, but for my kids, I and my family, friends, I don't take J&J because that's all we knew at the time. It had to be J&J. Um, now I'm finding that it happens with Pfizer, Moderna, and, you know, they're all kind of in the same boat. But at the time, we were just concerned with J&J. &J. Mm -hmm. And many, many, many family and friends now are not getting the vaccine because of what happened to me. And that puts pressure on me because I know of one that knew my story and he's passed away from COVID. I don't want that to happen. But I'm really worried for my kids to get it. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's something in my DNA. Mm -hmm. My husband had it. He didn't, he has a few little symptoms here and there, but nothing like I had, nothing. Um, Did anybody daughter, ask you from J&J &J if you had any predisposition, medical predisposition issues or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, actually they did. They did. They did. And I told him about my high blood pressure and I said, but it was, it's been fine. It doesn't fluctuate. Uh, nearly like it does now. It, my blood pressure is on its own roller coaster all by itself. It is up high and it is down low. I have almost passed out. Actually, I almost passed out in the doctor. Um, I went to see an ophthalmologist because my vision is so blurry. I passed out, almost passed out in her office Monday. How's your, how's your hearing? How's your taste and smell? 
my taste and smell are fine. I have had ringing in my ears, not at first, the probably a couple months into it, I started having really bad ringing in my ear. And then it went to my right ear, then it went to my left ear. But believe it or not, out of the blue, I wake up yesterday because I kind of assess like what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. And it was gone. I'm like, that's just so strange. It, it's gone. It's so much, my hearing is so much better as far as the ringing goes. My vision is terrible. How, and when did the vision start going? That reason? Immediately, almost immediately. Right after I got out of the hospital, I noticed I was seeing double vision. I've never seen double vision. Um, literally, I was seeing, I kept taking my glasses off thinking, what is going on? I kept taking my glasses off and adjusting them. That lasted about a month, the double vision. That has gotten better, but now I'm really blurry. So I went to the ophthalmologist this just, just on Monday. My eye physical eyes are fine. But she said, my vision is off because of what has happened more likely from the vaccine. All right. So have you tried any alternative medicines and acupuncture? Have you, have you gone and had a massage? I am not one to go to the doctor because I, I really have to be sick to go to the doctor. Um, I'm real natural though about with supplements and vitamins. I have been all my life. I used to sell supplements. So my functional doctor immediately jumped on board on the natural. I'm on like three different histamine blocking supplements with the Eliquis, the high blood pressure. I take Pepsid. Um, so mainly it's just supplements and medication, trying to meditate, trying to slowly get my strength back, trying to get out and get some sunlight. My, my vitamin D is extremely low, mm -hmm. which now I hear that's kind of a thing with a lot of the, um, vaccinated injured that vitamin D is low. I don't know the correlation there at all. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about vitamin D as a take the vitamin D as a preventive measure, you know, COVID in 2020. And then all of a sudden we're finding out with long haulers who have yeah. suffered by the disease and some vac injured that in fact, you know, vitamin D is a deficiency in a lot of people. Yeah, I've heard that. So I'm, he put me on vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So I'm on probably eight right now new medicines. When I passed out or almost passed out the other day, he wants to now, um, my functional doctor, he has told me that he said, your immune system has gone crazy. He said, it's attacking your whole body. He said, I need to put it out. He goes, I need to put the fire out. So he's, I'm on a low histamine diet, no sugar diet, no dairy diet. I have barely anything to eat, um, no gluten whatsoever. Uh, I was even eating gluten eating gluten-free bread. And he says, no, stop. He goes, you've got to stop. Um, so he's trying his best to get my body back to normal. Um, Has anybody mentioned steroids to you? Actually, no, I was on a steroid about, and here's the funny part about this. I feel like I'm going to get better. I feel like, okay, I'm kind of doing okay. Still weak. Can't walk. I've fallen down. You know, my legs, I literally ran into my jewelry box. Cause I was, I didn't have any balance, but, um, every few weeks I have something major happen that sets me back. I had, I was getting a little bit better, a little bit stronger after my heart rate and blood pressure kind of got a little more normalized. 
-hmm. And then I had this nasty rash. I can't go out in the sun. I just completely blew up with this rash all over my face, my legs. I went to three different doctors, urgent care, saw my hematologist, saw my PCP. Not one of them could tell me what it was. Not one. Does it look, does it look like a heat rash when you go out? Does it, does it look like shingles? I mean, what is, does it appear like 20 minutes after you're out in the sun? Is it humidity or is it the sun? I, you know, I think it's, actually maybe just the humidity and the sun. I thought it was just sun. So then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that could be lupus. I went to my PCP and he said, oh, I'm gonna, I said, this looks like a mylar rash. So he took pictures, but he never did come out and say it's lupus or whatever, but he knows probably the vaccine did it. He's just yeah. not real committal. So now when I walked out in the sun from the mall I barely have went to the mall, barely walked out from there to the car. I immediately broke out in this rash, itchy rash on my face. I had also had it on my leg. It looked like shingles. So that's what the urgent care doctor, she said, that almost looks like shingles, but I'm not 100% sure, but it was all on my right side. So she gave me a antiviral and a prednisone. And thank gosh, I got there when I did because it got worse really fast. But, but the rash ended up going away. I have scars from it. So I'm not sure what this has been a roller coaster. Yeah, I'm I'm on a huge roller coaster. So I this is a roller coaster since April. Yes. So the rash sits me back. I start feeling weak again. I start having more vibrations and muscle twitches. Four to four and a half months in, I'm I was my I woke up one morning and I thought my dog was laying. He was laying beside me, and I thought he's shaking the bed or scratching. And I realized it wasn't my dog. It was me. My I was literally vibrating. Um, so what's the what's the end of the tunnel for you? I mean, this has to cost you. A, I mean, first of all, does insurance cover everything? The answer my, is probably. I mean, my husband has good insurance. It covers okay. everything. I did pay out of pocket for a pretty expensive DNA test to see if that helps us out any. I don't. I have the results. He's got the results. I've heard a few of them, but I haven't got all of them back. I don't know the outcome on that. So. So what is, what gives you comfort? I mean, you say that you think that you're getting better, but then you get set back, you know, once a week. I mean, what's, what's your game plan here and what's the doctor's game plan together with you to get you through this? You know, I'm staying on these supplements. I, I have to tell myself, I think they're working. I, I know my heart is better. That was a big fear. My breathing is better. When I first came home, I literally, would not want to sleep at night because I thought I was going to stop breathing. In fact, a couple of times I think I stopped breathing because I would, my head would like jerk, like, like if you've passed out mm. and you know, you've passed out, you kind of come to, I've done that. I don't know how many times in the middle of the night. And I told my husband, I said, I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm afraid I'm going to stop breathing. That's how severe it was. That's how scary it was. My kids don't even know all this. I, I, they may now, they, they may, may now. now. My may son now. is a big worry wart. Um, he did not know this until he, well, yeah, he doesn't know any of this. Um, it's been very fearful. Um, I, I do tell my daughters they're, they're 30 and 28. I tell them some, but I didn't want to tell my oldest daughter most of it because she was going to get the Pfizer because she's got the little her little kids, uh, when I'm just start kindergarten. So for her, uh, she wasn't going to get it, but now she decided to get one and she immediately started having this adrenaline rush and red. And I said, that's not a panic attack. That's a reaction. They keep 
How does that work in a household of generations? And I have to ask you this. How does it work when you've been, when you have been so injured and it's visible because you're going to so many, see so many doctors and you're going into the hospital and you've got, you know, ambulances carrying mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. How does that conversation go in a household with the generations of having, you know, mummy, grandmummy is, is ill and then no. people considering to take the vaccination? Well, see, my kid, like I said earlier, my kids didn't want us to get it, my husband and I. We ended up doing it because we knew my grandson was going to start kindergarten. I, my 23-year-old son does MMA fighting. He goes to practice with young men rolling around on a on a uh, mat. He's going to bring COVID home. I, I mean, I can't keep him in a bubble. He, he's an adult, but but he still lives here. So I knew at one point in time, COVID was coming in the house. My daughter's a dental hygienist, or was. She's now switched over. My son-in-law is a professional photographer. So we see a lot of people. So I knew COVID was going to come in this house. Um, I can't. But then, but what I'm asking is, I mean, that that's justification of why you and your husband decided to get it. But but now that they have seen you and you're, you said that your daughters didn't want you to get it, but now you're telling me that your daughter is getting the shot. So how does that work when they see you getting sick? Well, scared, I mean, very scared to death, but she just thought that, and my husband even encouraged her. He, My husband thinks that I'm here. Is this better going through what I'm going through than to get COVID? Okay. Would I do so you, your, your, your conversation revolves around risks and benefits. Yes. Okay. Yes. And my little guys, one's just turned six, one's three, one's one. And, uh, you know, I... I see them and I play with them, but I don't play outside a lot. We watch movies now because mm -hmm. I can't run around with them like I've done before. Um, that is, they know now is grandma. Okay. Can I play with her? Okay. Uh, my okay. daughter. That makes, that makes sense. But what, what, when you take a look at the risks and the benefits and you've been in the industry, how do you feel about making it mandatory for children? Oh, absolutely not. I would be horrified. I, I would tell my daughter, pull them out. I'll, I'll homeschool them. Just, I, I can't, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't even let my 23 year old, my 23 year old son thought about getting it to protect us. He goes, mom, maybe I should get it. Well, he ended up getting COVID by the way, while I was here and we didn't get COVID. So I'm, I'm very happy. You know, that's, that's a big benefit. I didn't get COVID from him and he was all over the house. So why I didn't get it, I'm not sure. Hopefully the Johnson Johnson did its thing and did what it's supposed to do. So for me to go through this and me not get it at the time, I'm thankful, right? So now he was thinking about getting it and I told him, no, I, he's got antibodies now. He's got natural antibodies. Let's just wait and see where this goes. Um, let's see if they perfect it a little bit better. Let's see if your antibodies stay strong. I don't want him getting it because he's 23 and now I'm afraid of the myocarditis. Mm -hmm. um, when my daughter had it and she had the reaction, I, we don't want her to get her second one. Uh, she's breastfeeding a baby. So we found that antibodies do transfer through breast milk. Some doctors say that's a good thing because now the baby is protected somewhat. But in our minds, no, not after what I've went through and not after what she's went through. She said, there's no way I'm going to give that to my baby. How would a baby even, we wouldn't even know 
what symptoms he's having or what it could cause to him. But your daughter did have the first shot. The first one. And she's, and she is breastfeeding. And she's breastfeeding and she's not going to do the second one. How is the, how's the baby doing? He's doing fine. He's doing fine. My five-year-old grandson come home a couple days ago with a runny nose. And, you know, of course our minds go, uh Oh, you know, does he have COVID? Uh, she did a COVID test on him and it's not, it's just must be allergies or a cold or sinus infection. And, you know, here I am, he's literally downstairs. We have an apartment building or uh, apartment downstairs and he's downstairs and they come upstairs and I'm thinking, gosh, should I even be around them? I mean, I, you know, but they're my grandbabies. So mm -hmm. of course mm -hmm. I want to be around them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what, so what, what have you, and just closing this out, what have you learned from this experience? Well, you know, I did my research. I was, I'm pretty upset about that. My doctor feels horrible because he agreed with me. He feels bad. Um, I've learned that I'm pretty much on my own. The medical field, which frustrates me because I've been in the medical field for so many years. It frustrates me that they're not like believing um, my ophthalmologist believed me and told me more about the vaccine than my own practice, you know, my own um, primary care doctor, my oncologist. And I even asked him if I had like Guillain-Barre. I said, I'm not walking. No, you wouldn't have Guillain-Barre. You would be paralyzed. I can't get into a neurologist until six months. I can't get in till November. This happened in April. They, that's what frustrates me the most. It's like, they're just not listening. I don't know what I have to do. I called my doctor the other day and I said, can you please get me a neurologist appointment? It's they're not suggesting this on their own. They're just, okay, you've got peripheral neuropathy. That was my answer to one doctor. You've got peripheral neuropathy now. Um, your blood pressure, let's get your medicine up. That's all they're doing. They're just treating mild, you know, or the symptoms and not giving me really answers not getting see, not seeing me ever, you know, they're saying, I'll come back in three months. I don't think they realize just how, how weak I am, how weak. So what I've learned is that I'm just pretty much on my own and I'm just hoping time makes this go away. And I don't see that happening, you know, and here's the thing with me, a lot of the people on the Facebook group, I don't know a lot of them that had blood clots. So I've been researching on blood clots even a mild blood clot can take months to a year to feel better and get your strength. So am I weak because of the blood clot mm -hmm. or am I weak because of the inflammatory response, the cytokine storm? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to. It must be scary not to know because no, there's no clarity. It doesn't seem like you've had any clarity Oh, no. And she can't really have a direction and hence she can't really have a plan of action. So that has to be pretty scary. No, I'm doing, I'm doing my plan of action. Me and the functional doctor, my diet, reading, researching, getting on the groups. I'm on a, a Guillain-Barre group, an MS group, an Epstein or a bar group, um, a lupus group. Cause I'm trying to find answers. I'm trying to see what they're going through. And when I finally figure out like, okay, I'm good. That's not where, that's not where I'm heading. It's going to be the immune system response and the inflammatory, you know, it's that type of neurological issues. That's why I'm staying with the group I'm in now and reading their comments and the doctor's suggestions, which my functional doctor is so on top of all that. Um, 
I feel more safe there and moving forward. I just keep thinking I'm going to get better. I tell my husband, I said, I just want to get better. I just, I don't want to go anywhere. Christine, I don't even want to hardly talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. This is a struggle to talk this long. Well, I, it, listen, I, I, I know that, you know, Todd and I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. And, and, and I would encourage you to keep in touch with us and let us know how it proceeds, because I, th I think it's really clear that um, from, from doing these interviews that a lot of people don't have, they don't feel emotionally that they have that safety net where they can see that the light at the end of the tunnel just yet. Oh, and I appreciate so much. And I'm sitting, so I'm fine. But I appreciate, oh gosh, I appreciate you guys doing this so much. I just, my daughter asked me, she goes, do you want to put your name out there? Do you want to do this? Because here in our little community, what's really been sad, I haven't been real vocal because a lot of my friends are in the medical field and some of them are out there and teachers and our community, Christine, is really hurting with COVID. We are really severe with COVID and they're all saying, get the vaccine. I can't believe you're so you know, you're, you're not, you're not caring for your neighbor. You're not, you're not doing what your part is. And I try to tell them like, guys, I try to do my part. Now I'm sick. I'm really sick. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, I'm still not anti-vaccine. I'm not. I wouldn't want my young kids to get it or my little grandbabies. I, I, I hope they perfect it, but I, uh, I am not well, I am not a well person and I don't see the end just yet. And that's depressing. Well, we'll pray for you. I mean, there's a there's a long list of people that we're all praying for that, that you get well and the people do the right thing in the medical field and in the pharmaceutical field as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what how they're going to help us. I mean, it would be nice to get reimbursed for some of this. But I mean, we're doing OK because my husband has good insurance. But I, going to the doctors is just uh, it's getting tiring. Mm -hmm. Um I've still got more to go. I don't know if I'm going to be on Eloquist the rest of my life or not. It's just those things like it was life before the vaccine. Now it's life after the vaccine. And I don't think people realize how severe it is. Well, thank you for your time, Pam. All right. And and please, the door is open to come back and contact us if, if you want to fill us in and update us. On I will. When I go to my uh, neurologist, I'm really anxious to kind of see what he says and see if he's got any um, insight. And I go to my functional doctor here in about three weeks to see if he's got any more insight. Um, he's working with a doctor in Japan and hopefully on more vascular issues. So I will. I'll get back. And I appreciate you so much. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye bye.